You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the sixth episode of Season 2 of Testimonies with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Skaggs, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TWTerryPod, and on Facebook by liking the Testimonies with Terry page. Well, guys, I'm pretty pumped for this week's episode, because you're essentially going to get a two-for-one. First, you're going to hear the testimony of a man who was known as the Jesus Freak basketball player after getting saved in high school. You'll hear how Jesus changed his outlook on life and his approach to stepping on the court, but also how the things of this world led him away from staying focused on Christ. Feeling lost and without purpose, with his dreams of becoming a professional basketball player crushed, you'll then hear the testimony of how Three Nails Clothing came to be. From a tumble beginnings in the basement of his home while trying to juggle being a husband, father, and working his 9-to-5 job, to now being in his own warehouse and leading the industry in premium Christian athletic apparel, this man's grit and relentlessness and chasing after God's purpose for him will leave you feeling motivated to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Derek Dahl's Testimony. All right, everyone. I am here with the founder and CEO of Three Nails Clothing, Derek Dahl. Derek, man, thanks so much for taking time to come on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I uh, I had first heard about Three Nails through Chad Lale, a uh, professional wrestler. I interviewed him earlier on this season of Testimonies with Terry, and he posted a picture of him in a Three Nails workout shirt, and he had tagged you know the account, and so I looked into it. I'm just like, man, this is really cool clothing, and looked into the website, and I'm just like, whoa, holy cow, they're in Minnesota. And looked even more. I'm just like, whoa, they're only an hour away from my house. I'm just like, <laughs> I got to connect with these guys and, and get the story here. So, you know, we've been able to communicate on Instagram and, and here we are. Here we are. Oh, I absolutely love it, man. Excited for today. Yeah. Well, dude, um, let's, you know, we're going to get into the story of Three Nails. But before we do that, we're going to get into your story. So, Derek, why don't we start off with uh, where did you grow up and what was family life like for you? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a very small town called Spring Lake Park. Not many people, uh, even in Minnesota, know where that's at. It's, it's right next to Blaine. Um, and yeah, grew up in a, a, a good home, good parents that, that loved me. Uh, my mom was, um, uh, she worked for a place called Lando Lakes. So she was a business analyst there. My dad um, was a general contractor, so he had his own construction business. Um, and I mean, he coached me all the way from first grade up until probably eighth grade, I believe. So yeah, sports, extremely important in my life. My childhood, where I grew up, that's all I did, just play basketball. Basketball, football, baseball, up until sixth grade, but basketball really was my favorite sport, my dad's favorite sport, and um, that's pretty much all that I did. We didn't have a lake house or you know cabin or anything. My parents sacrificed a lot for me um, to be able to play AU basketball, and that's 
all that I did growing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was it about basketball that really just drew you into it? Oh, man. I mean, that's, I don't think I've ever had that question before. It's, it's a really good question. I think it's just the, the fast pace environment of it. I love how, you know, a game can change. You're down 20 points and then you can just flip that upside down and, you know, you know, end up winning the game, you know, by one, you know, one bucket. And, you know, especially having my dad, um, you know, his claim to fame was he averaged uh, 27 point uh, eight points a game in high school without a three-point line back in the day. So oh, that wow. was all his claim of fame. <laughs> he was only in 1A basketball, so I don't give him too much credit. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it, being able to be raised in, in a home. He was just a bulldog. He was, you know, that type of guy, just very, very hard on me. And my mom was the angel, so to speak. Um, but my dad was just the most competitive person I've ever met in my life. And so seeing how much he loved the competitiveness of basketball – um, you know, I, I related to that in a heartbeat and I just got addicted to it. And the teamwork aspect too. I love being able to be a leader on the court. You know, I was a point guard. Um, so being able to be that general that's leading the team, calling the plays, you get to dictate the tempo of the game, just every facet of it. Absolutely loved it. Gotcha. What was school like for you? I know sports were a big part of your life. What was, you know, the school aspect like for you? Oh man. So... I hated school. <laughs> I love school, you know, being social with friends. I, I mean, I'm an extrovert. I just love being around people, get energy from it. But as far as doing schoolwork, uh, never passionate about it. Uh, but I still, you know, I was like the guy that got like a 3.0 type of thing, did what I needed to do, but I wasn't staying at for extra credit or anything like that. Yeah. And then... You know, as as we'll get into it, your your company is really just founded on you know Jesus Christ. But where where did faith c start to come into your life? Is that something that you just always had growing up, or what was that part of your life like during your earlier years? Yeah, so it really started when I was fourteen years old. My dad went to this men's conference in Wisconsin. It was um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Miles Monroe. Uh, he you know is just this world renowned. Uh, pastor speaker from uh, the Bahamas and they had this men's conference there and um, my dad um, I mean it really changed his life and I mean he was into faith but he wasn't really into faith that much like my mom was and so he came back home on fire for God for the very first time that my mom has ever seen you know myself or my sister's ever seen and he had this DVD and I mean this is you know for you know, grown men, right? Like men's conference. But I, I, they were gone. They, I forget, they went out to eat or something. I was home and, um, I played the DVD and I was just in awe of what this man was saying about God has created you for a purpose. He's, he, he has a purpose for your life. And, um, it's not outside of you, it's inside of you. And you can do great things in this world not only for yourself and your family, but to inspire other people too. And obviously, ultimately, you know, being able to inspire others to um, get to heaven one day and have that salvation. And uh, so I'm just like, you know, it's okay to be in business. It's okay to make money while also being a Christian man that's loving and is generous and, you know, wants to take care of their family, but also be able to take care of other people in life too. And, um, you know, I'm not much for the prosperity gospel, so to speak of, you know, you, 
hey, give you know, give God two thousand dollars, he'll give you five thousand, like that type of thing, right? right? But this man, what he was speaking was that was true of like, hey, money's a tool, and um, you can use it for God's kingdom. And so after watching that DVD, uh, at the end of it, he had a salvation prayer, and I got saved. So wow. that was my my first. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I honestly get like a little emotional about it because I was just home alone. There was no one there but but me and Jesus, and Man. that was such a, a strong you know moment in my life. Yeah, and even moving forward, um, like I'm 14 years old, my friends are biking, playing sports, um, doing things, and even though like I said I play basketball, but for myself, like I watched like everything that I could consume. My dad bought um, other DVDs of him, and I watched his DVDs like day and night, and I took my own notes. And so I really do believe God has me here in this position now, you know, for a reason. And uh, he really built me and grew me since 14 years old. Yeah, dude, that's incredible. What a man, what a moment to have just there by yourself with Jesus, giving your life to him. What was that like? You know, once you you kind of gave your life to the Lord there, like what kind of changes did you start either making in your life or did you just start kind of noticing about yourself? Yeah, well, I mean once you once you get that glimpse of it you can't keep it to yourself you just want to share with everybody so i was you know it changed my life so i was telling my friends about it i was having them sit down and you know watch these dvds with me that's awesome some of my friends thought it was super boring uh, and then other my other friends were really interested like myself and so i began to notice you know especially with my reputation of you know, that's Derek Dahl, and he's the basketball player that, you know, is a Jesus freak, so to speak. Um, but the way that I carried myself, too, was I didn't shove it down anybody, you know, down anybody's throat. You know, I really did it in a natural way. And, um, you know, it it 100% from that day, it gave me a purpose. It gave me a reason of, like, why I'm here and living. And it gave me direction in life. It It, it kept me out of, you know, drinking at a young age or partying like other people do in high school. It kept me. It kept me really focused on the main goal, which at that time was not business. It was basketball. It was basketball and God, and um, so it, it really helped my decision making of you know the books that I was reading, you know the television, the music that I was consuming. You know, instead of listening to you know super secular rap, you know, I'd listen to you know Christian music, Christian rap. Um, I mean, it changed my life forever, and how to you know take that and influence others around me. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just so cool how God works, man. Man, that's, that's, yeah, like you said, just super cool just to really see and hear just that heart transformation God did in you. I mean, it sounds like from the inside out that that prayer, like it wasn't just a one-time deal for you. Like, no, it was, it was a life change for you. And so I'm wondering how did that kind of affect your view on basketball? Once you did give your life to Jesus, did that kind of changed the way you looked at basketball or just how you went about basketball? Oh, 100% changed it because now I wasn't just playing basketball for, you know, my glory and what I want to do with my life. Um, and again, you know, I'm 14 years old, right? But it's like, this is my mission is to become a professional basketball player, to use that platform to give God glory one day and to use that influence. And, um, you know, I guess I don't want to step too far ahead, but just like my business and everything now, like I th- really thought my purpose in this world was to become a professional basketball player. And so when I got hurt in college, I sprained my ankle twice. I had like my third concussion. 
I was, I was purposeless when I didn't know what to do with my life. And so that training though with basketball had led to business. And then now, I mean, it, it trained me to where I'm at now. And it's the same, you know, it's the same like platform influence. It's the same thing as basketball now. And so it's just crazy how God literally worked everything for its good. But yeah, I guess just going back to your question. Yeah, it became a, a mission in life rather than just a game, a sport. It was, it was everything. The leadership qualities of basketball, I was, I was doing um, to really shape and mold me to be able to lead other people to Christ too. And even in basketball, when I played AU, you know, we had hotels um, where we would stay in at, you know, Atlanta or Cincinnati for these huge tournaments. And, you know, I've had friends who didn't have good upbringings, right? These, these kids are freaks of, of nature athletes, just so athletic, but just listening to the worst secular music, you know, the, the things that they consume. It's not bad, right? It's no judgment, but just yeah. didn't have good upbringings. And for me to talk about Jesus was just so foreign to them. And then just doing it in a natural way, they just were asking different questions. And so, yeah, it was just like a mission, like on the court and even off the court. And um, yeah, it's, it, again, the whole underlying thing here is it gave me purpose in life. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I'm wondering what advice would you have for current high school athletes that, you know, have that faith in Jesus, have that passion to just share Jesus, but they're they're maybe uncomfortable or they're afraid to put themselves out there and step out in faith to you know try to show their teammates who don't know Jesus what Jesus can do to, for their lives. What advice would you give to to those high school athletes? Honestly, this kind of thing I can say to apply in your life in general. But we are all going to die one day, and that like is like almost a daily reminder for myself for what I do because it doesn't matter like. Your fear goes away when you realize that you're going to die and you're gonna, not going to take anybody with you. When you die, it's just going to be you and the creator. And so the fear of failure, the, the fear of being uncomfortable, you, you got to get over that because, you know, it's like the famous saying is like everything that you want in life is beyond that fear and just step out in boldness. And especially at like the end of the day, when you're facing your creator, like, you're going to be judged on the things that you did, you know, the good that you brought into this world and the talents and skills that he's given you to influence others. Like, like we're not here for just ourselves. We're not here just for a nice house, nice car, you know, you know, a luxury way of living. It's like, oh man, we're here to save souls for the kingdom of God and fulfill our purpose before we're, before we leave this earth. And in order to do that, you have to influence others. And, and like, like I said earlier, when you have that, relationship with Jesus and you you know what that feels like, you can't keep that to yourself. You just want to share that with everybody Amen. you meet, you know? And, and then it doesn't become shoving it down someone's throat of like, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? It just comes up in your natural life. And even like the best part about it is you get to shine by example. They see your life. They see how happy you are. They see the peace in your life. Like they're going to get curious about that. And again, you know, us as Christians, not everything is perfect. As you know, like we go through trials and that's a biblical like promise like you're gonna go through storms mm. but we have peace in the storms and that's something that people of this world that don't have jesus in their lives they don't have peace what what peace do they have to to cling on to so again i would just suggest just stepping out in boldness and in faith and understand that you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable anything with growth in life 
always starts with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And once you take that first step, God is going to work out those things in your favor and um, it just all ends up working out. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. How did you deal with, you know, comments from other players or other teammates that did make fun of your faith or did desecrate what you believed in? Yeah, you know, I would say that for myself personally, I was very fortunate where I didn't have many people make fun of me um, in the sense of like, I was just, I was the leader. I was the captain of the basketball team. Just if anything, it was just like, hey man, you know, Derek's the Jesus freak, so to speak, right? But it was never like I was made fun of or anything. Um, And I'm very fortunate in that regard. But, you know, for me, again, it's, um, it's a mission at the end of the day. So it's like, it doesn't matter what anybody says. And especially now in my business, um, the haters that you have now compared to like back in the day, <laughs> you would think that like you would be bullied or anything in high school. It's like, no, I had a really good childhood. Like I was super fortunate. There's a lot of people out there that can't say the same thing. I was able to be a leader in my community at a young age. And a lot of people looked up to me and I knew that, you know, I, I had influence and everybody was watching me. You know, are they going to watch me, you know, partying and drinking and doing all this other stuff? Or am I going to use my influence for God's kingdom and his glory? Um, and yeah, I mean, that just, it didn't matter what anybody else thought of me. I'm on a mission at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I'm going to get there. Amen, dude. Amen. So high school years, you know, basketball is is a big part of your life. I, I'm imagining you were recruited uh, throughout high school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't a five-star athlete by any means, you know, 5'10 white guy, but I was pretty quick <laughs> in the court <laughs> back in my day. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity. I mean, I've, I got a couple D1 letters. Um, one was to West Point, and I just didn't want to end up joining the Army and so forth. Yep. Um, but uh, I ended up going to Bethel uh, my freshman year of, of, of high, or sorry, freshman year of college. And, um, Stayed there for the first year, started, basketball player. And, I mean, we can get into a whole different topic of what changed in my life there. A lot changed. But then I ended up going to um, St. Thomas my sophomore year and transferred there. I, there was a lot that happened. I mean, we can dive deep into it. But, uh, yeah, man, college years is crazy. Yeah, what, what's, let's get into that. What was yeah. your experience at Bethel like? Yeah, so Bethel was great. Um, it was really good. I was just extremely just irresponsible i ended up getting a girlfriend at the time that um i mean really changed my perspective in life i um really stepped out of my faith so to speak um i mean so many different things i can go into and you know it's not about like just her right there's no one to blame but me at the end of the day my faith wasn't like there was gaps in my faith at that time and once i found someone that i you know really you know loved and cherished at that time you begin to idolize that person over idolizing Jesus. And so I was slowly, I was just, you know, obsessed with spending my time with uh, that girl at that time and basketball. And then my faith just kind of took, you know, like it was just on the back burner. And um, I prayed less during that time. And I was, you know, 19 years old. Then I started getting curious about, drinking because my mom had told me, you know, if you're old enough to serve your country, you're old enough to have a drink. She's like, I don't care if you drink, Derek, just make sure that you're safe and, you know, secure. And so that to me, it was like, 
all right, you know, let's maybe go try this out. You know, and that's yeah, permission. I know, and my mom didn't mean it in that way, but I took it in that way, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was bad. And so, you know what though? Like, I don't regret it because I mean, it, it just I realized that it's empty. I, I did fall into that trap of that party, and and it is so empty. You think it's fun at the time, you wake up the next morning with a hangover, and it's like, man. Like this isn't, especially for myself, like I was just like that person on a mission with a purpose. And then I'm this other person that's, you know, you know, drinking and partying, like this isn't who I am. And it was like that trap that I was just trying to, trying to get out of and trying to like, I was trying to find myself, I guess. And those were really hard years. And I ended up breaking up with that, that girlfriend. And that's when everything happened of, I got hurt with basketball um, really felt purposeless, ended up partying, you know, um, for probably two years or year and a half, I guess. And I tell you what, that, there was a whole year where I, I don't even know if I prayed like at all. If anything, it was just God help me because <laughs> I knew I was, uh, dude, I was empty. I was the best shape I've ever been in my life physically. I was ripped. I was everything. I felt good about my self-confidence, but I mean, inside I was a wreck. And I mean, I needed Jesus. And deep down inside, if you were to ask me, I knew that I needed to get my relationship back to God. And you know, like I said, we can get into it, but um, that's when I really met my wife and I was praying for, I was like, God, let me you know, meet somebody to 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 you know, my, my future wife to get me out of this mess. And it never happened, right? I was trying to get back to God. And then, yeah, like six months later, I ended up meeting my wife and she invited me to church again. And that's when I I came back to my faith and I am where I am now. And it's just crazy how I had that, yeah, like that two to three, I would say two years where I really stepped back on my faith, full admittedly, and I was not who I am. And I finally went back to who I was, but even better now. And using this as an influence or a platform to say, I know what it feels like. I know what it is to to be out, you know, drinking and mess around, you know, with, with things you shouldn't be messing around with and, you know, being obsessed with girls and all that stuff that it brings, you know, the, what, what society glorifies. Yeah. Women and, and all that stuff. And it's just, it's empty, man. You know, you need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you said that you ended up transferring to St. Thomas after year, year and a half. Yep. What led into that transfer? So for me, it was, it was, um, again, I was just very prideful during that time in my life. Um, it was basketball reasoning. I started, played, and then during January, I couldn't play during the month of January because my grades were so bad. <laughs> I just didn't apply myself at all to the school and I had to sit out for the, for J term. So for that month of January and my coach was very upset with me, ended up benching me when I got back eligible, had to really earn my way back up there. But even like the last like four or five games, I, I barely play. And it was like, he was punishing me for having bad grades, which again, I don't blame him for like, I, I needed it. But for myself, I'm like, man, I'm the best guy, you know, best point guard on this team. I should be starting. And, um, at the time, my girlfriend, uh, she went to St. Thomas too, and I didn't go there for her. They just had a better basketball team, and you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something in business too. So they had a better, uh, better business program, and so I was just like, you know what? 
I'm going to check it out. I checked it out, had good vibes, and that's what led to the transfer. So I went to St. Thomas my sophomore year, ended up dropping out because my mom um, basically told me one day, I can't afford I can't afford you. And I got like every grant in the book, but my parents still had to to pay for schooling. And yeah. um, she just said, Derek, I can't, I can't afford it anymore. And I was like, she's like, you need to have to go, you're going to have to go find a full-time job. And it's just crazy how like that whole experience happened. And I was like, man, well, I can't play basketball now. So now I'm gonna have to figure something out. And so I went and I got a full-time job and ended up dropping out of college with a 1.8 GPA. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy how, I mean, I just didn't apply myself, just never liked school at all, right? I was pretty much there just for basketball. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but yeah. what was that like having to give up basketball? I mean, that had been such a huge part of your life up to this point. And now uh, it's almost kind of like that passion was being taken away from you, so to speak. How did you deal with that? So I didn't, I didn't give it up. I kept going at it on the side of my uh, full-time jobs with in the hopes that one day I'm going to be trained well enough to go play overseas or go play somewhere professionally and um, doing that. So I, I, I worked, you know, full-time jobs um, for what? Yeah. That, like two year period or so. And then that's when I met my wife. And so even when I met her, I was all in on basketball and I was actually going to go play at uh, Concordia St. Paul D2. Um, they wanted me to, to walk on, they already had their scholarships and everything out and it was really late, you know, like in the summer too. So it was like, they were kind of doing me a favor and I was good enough to walk on. And, um, so yeah, I mean that, that's, you know, I, in my mind, I was still living the dream. I wasn't letting the dream go until I met my wife. And as we were continuing to, to move along in our relationship, I realized that, basketball wasn't the thing and that crushed me because that was my identity mm. think about that right like yeah. you know your identity is supposed to be in christ right but like i do believe god has given you specific talents and skills that you you know it is your identity like it's my purpose and right to be a kingdom businessman that's a part of my identity but that's not like if i lost my business like it like you know i still have my identity in christ right so like i'm still grounded but yeah um that's where I really started to see the transitioning of like, why, like, what is this reasoning of like, why didn't I make it in basketball? I felt like God really had this purpose in my life. Where did I miss it? And honestly, like I didn't even get it then, but years later you look back now and it's like, wow, all the, the mindset, the leadership qualities, um, teamwork, everything that had groomed me in basketball built me for this life of business now. But at the time, I was crushed. My identity was gone. I didn't know really who I was. And I just, you know, I was a Christian and everything, getting back. And, I, and honestly, like, I still felt peace in my heart because I was finally getting back to, to my roots and faith in Jesus. Um, but yeah, I can't lie to you, man. I, I, was, I was crushed in spirit. Yeah. Looking back at that time of continuing to pursue basketball after dropping out of college, would you say that that was more out of your own, just like bound and determinist to, I'm just going to do this anyway? Or would you say that at the time you felt the Lord kind of calling you to, hey, just keep doing this, keep pursuing this? Yeah, I really feel like, um, I mean, a little bit of both. You know, I think 
selfishly, yeah, I could be doing it for myself. But I, again, if you go back to me being 14 years old and like just those foundation years of spending time with God, I really did believe that that was God's purpose for my life, right? And you can't play basketball forever, but I knew that like I need to be at a platform to to use that influence, you know, being a basketball player. And that was the best thing that I was like, I mean, that's what I was good at. That That's the only thing that I was good at in life. I wasn't good at school. I mean, I was a good communicator and stuff, but I didn't think about it at that time. Like, um, I just played basketball, so I didn't know any anything else. Yeah, yeah, man. And so, man, life isn't turning out the way that you wanted to at this point. You know, uh, you go to kind of taking a step back in your faith. Basketball is kind of being taken away from you. College itself is being taken away from you. You're having to work a nine to five. Uh, but it sounds like this is also the period of time where you did meet your wife. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell us, tell us how that went. So again, I did meet my wife kind of like at the end of my party stage. And, um, again, man, I'm not proud of you know anything that happened during that time. Um, but meeting her was the best thing ever. Started getting back into church. Um, and we, we got engaged within eight months. <laughs> I always put a rule of like, I need to date someone for at least two years to know. And then it's just funny how God works. <laughs> and you, you just, when you know, you know, yeah. like meeting Gabby, a uh, funny thing is, is I knew her family in middle school. Oh, uh, really? So I knew, I knew Gabby when I was in like seventh grade and she was in sixth grade. And like uh, my, one of my good friends growing up, his name is Riley. And uh, that was his, uh, that, that was, um, yeah, his, his cousin was Gabby. And so and it was ironically enough, just so funny. Like when I was in eighth grade and she was in seventh grade, we were over there. And they were like, oh, man, you should talk to Gabby. You know, when we were in middle school, like trying to like hook us up. And I was like, nah, man, like you know, I got I got better things to do. I got basketball and stuff. And and it's just so funny, full circle, how I ended up meeting her and, um, you know, her parents knew them. And um, I'll just tell you the story. It was it was my birthday <laughs> on December 31st. And, um, of course, during that day, you know, I got a party bus and we went downtown Stillwater and my uh, friend's uncle owns this bar ended up seeing her dad at the bar and I was like, Hey Derek, come here. You know, how's it going? And, and, uh, she was there and we kind of rekindled a little bit and, um, I messaged her slid in the DMS a couple days later, <laughs> talked to her, but nothing really happened. And it fizzled out like two months later. And then her dad invited me to like this, like job application or to this job interview for this personal training job. And I wasn't really into fitness. And um, ended up meeting with him and he was like, man, you should really talk to Gabby. You know, she was really into you at, you know, your birthday. And and um, I was like, oh, I tried talking to her. I don't know what happened. And so anyways, um, I was actually planning on messaging her after that job interview. And she messaged me first and then it rekindled. And lo and behold, we I knew she was the one because our first date was uh, Chipotle. We, we got Chipotle and. <laughs> Watch the movie Step Brothers. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like she's Miss Minnesota pageant girl. And I'm just like, you know, thinking she's going to be just too high maintenance. I've been with the pretty girls and I just don't want to deal with that, right? I just want yep. to grow, love Jesus and down to earth. And so to see her, you know, just be so down to earth and, and during that time was was everything that I needed. And, and again, like really helped me with my faith. And she really helped me out with just the decisions of basketball and just talking about life in general. Like I would hang out with her, um, you know, like start at like seven o'clock or eight o'clock. And there was some nights so I would literally be at her house purely talking on the couch till 5 a.m. 
Wow. I mean, in-depth conversations. And you just can't, like, there's, like, how do you find that chemistry, you know? And, I mean, it just, time just flew by so fast with her. And so I just I just knew that she was the one. And again, she just, just you can find you know when you can find someone that really helps you become a better person and helps you out with your life's purpose and is supportive of you, doesn't like shove their opinion down your throat like some other, you know, relationships do, um, or have false expectations, like just love me for me, believed in me, believe what God was telling me about basketball and didn't question it. And uh, that's just one thing I do really admire about my wife that she believed in me yeah man so important so important to have a spouse that really just speaks life into you and and over you and encourages you so yeah you guys uh dated a little while got engaged and and got married what was married life like for you that first year or so oh man married life was great um we ended up doing the smart thing we didn't we never we've never gone on a honeymoon yet Oh, really? Yeah, we took the money that we got from our wedding and uh, we put in a down payment for our home. Uh, so we got a town home. And um, yeah, man, she, she worked full time. I worked full time trying to figure out what we're going to do in life. Ended up getting our pet, Stella. We have a 115-pound Bernese Mountain Dog. <laughs> She's just a fluffy stuffed animal. Yep. And um, you know, life was, life was great at that time. And again, though, I would say, I mean, it was good in that regard. Like, she was healthy. We were able to do normal things. We were able to go hiking and things. Um, but I was working a job that I hated. What were you doing? So I was a job hopper. I hopped around like every six months. I was a financial advisor. This was, I guess this was back like right before we got married. Or no, we did get married when we lived downtown. Um, I was a financial advisor downtown Minneapolis. I wore the suit, everything, took the light rail there, you know, in the morning on the way back. And that was kind of like my journey of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. And I thought, you know, six figures was the end goal with this financial you know, advising job. And I quickly began to learn, I don't like this. I love helping people, like talking to people, but this isn't what I want to do in life. And then anyways, fast track, moved into our townhouse and I ended up working at a company called Snap Fitness. And, um... I was uh, at the corporate place and I was a, a project manager over there and I commuted one hour there on the way there to work and an hour back. So it was a lot of time in the car to spend with God and to listen to podcasts and just grow. And, but still every day, hated it. I mean, hated being on somebody else's time, had like just not working on my own goals. And what's the end goal? You know, like, it's not money. It's it's fulfillment for me and passion. Money very important, but it was never the end goal. So I started, I wasn't never depressed, but I mean, started like having like depressive thoughts and kind of sharing that with my wife, Gabby, and just be like, I don't know what I want to do in life. Like I, like I knew at early age, God had this huge purpose for me, but like, what is it now? Like it's not basketball. And so I began looking at YouTube and looking at other YouTubers out there that have created businesses from scratch with like, you know, no money. Um, ended up watching this guy named Gerard Adams. Uh, he had a series called Leaders Create Leaders, and he was interviewing other CEOs out there and other founders of companies and just hearing their stories of people like me that, you know, came up from very humble beginning, right? Like my parents were lower to middle class and didn't really have, you know, too much money, um, very hardworking though. And someone like me that can make it and uh, can provide a life of 
freedom. And so that's, that began that journey of what can I do? And I remember looking at a few different clothing brands out there that I loved and, but there was, you know, nothing like us. I'd like represented my faith. And then you look at the Christian clothing and most of them were very cheesy, very you know, big Bible quotes. And again, there's a huge market for it. I'm not hating on it at all. But for me, I didn't, it wasn't something that I, I wanted to wear that was like subtle, sleek, minimalist, but built with premium, like true premium product, like, you know, fabrics and materials. And so this idea, to be honest with you, that idea started in me like back in 2013, probably. So this was years ago too, that I just had that idea. Yeah. And so it kind of kept coming back at me. And I was thinking of different ideas though. And e-commerce was just blowing up at that time. And that's where the idea of 3 nil started. I don't know if you want to hop into that, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where things go. Yeah. Yeah, let's hop into that. So you, you get this dream in 2013 while you're working this job that you do not like at all. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of travel time, like you said, a lot of time, though, to also spend in prayer and spend with God and, and just kind of, you know, get knowledge from these podcasts and, and everything. So what what were kind of the next steps with that? Yeah, it's a good question. So for me, I didn't know the next steps. I didn't know, like, it was just the unknown, right? And I remember invited my buddy out to go get sushi. His name's Travis. And he'd been one of my best friends since sixth grade. And I told him my idea of this. And he's like, man, so solid idea. You should give this a go. And um, I mean, I just kind of procrastinated on it and up until then, right? And then after that meeting with Travis, I went home that day and I said, you know, enough's enough. I've got to give this a go. I have to, I've got to just start this. Other people have been able to do it. I can do it. I had no mentor. Nobody showed me the ropes. Um, it was just myself. And at the time, my cousin Evan was living with me. And um, he had a, you know, he had more money than me at the time. And he was living with me. <laughs> and um, I told him about this dream. And he loved it. And I said, you know, do you want to be an investor? I'll just do everything and just put up money, right? So... Um, I put up 70% of the finances and he would put up 30%. So he helped me out, you know, a little bit financially and he was very hands, hands off though. And, um, I just started, I didn't know how to do it. I looked at YouTube videos, how to find clothing manufacturers, you know, how to market and just, you know, I was in the industry though. Like I was in fitness. I knew what I wanted to do of, you know, being in the fitness industry or business wise. And, and I saw other people out there or other businesses on Instagram and seeing how big that was. So I started the Instagram, started Facebook, um, looked at Google. I mean, I just, I was so obsessed with it. And I really do believe the people that are successful in life are the people that just have this magnificent obsession with something and they only do that one thing, you know, and that's all I did. You know, it's not like I neglected my wife or anything, but during that time, this was before my wife got sick, but, you know, I spent time with her and we got pregnant and I built this business. And especially with like, you know, now like finding out that we're pregnant, it was even more of a reason for me to work my butt off so that my, you know, future kid, you know, would be set up better. And yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Yeah. Wow. Uh, quick little detour. What was that like becoming a father? I mean, I always say this, like you, you can mentally prepare as much as you want, you know, ahead of time, nothing's going to prepare you until you actually see your son or daughter in person. And for myself, you know, 
Um, at the time too, my wife and I, we started a vlog channel, a couple of vlog channel that we did before I started my own YouTube channel. And so we vlogged the whole experience. And I'm so cool. Cause like, you can look back on it anytime. Yeah. And when my son was born, uh, they put him on her chest and when he opened his eyes, the first person that he saw in this life was me. I was at the, the right hand side of the bed and it still makes me like emotional to, to yeah, this day. Cause man. I thought about it. I'm like, I'm the first person that this boy laid eyes on in life. And like, it, it was, it was, it was the symbolism of like, he's looking to me now. Mm, I'm, yeah. you know, I have to be here to, to provide for him and care for him and make sure that he can grow into the man of God that God has created to him to be and not to push my ambitions or dreams onto him, but to, to let him discover his own purpose at his time in life and help him get there. Um, especially with my dad was so good with me, but he was so hard on me. And there's so many things that I will never do that my dad did with me, with my son. And so at that moment, I just, I knew like, you know, just what I'm going to do with him differently than my dad did. And then th the good things that my dad did do that I will continue to do with him. And so that moment was so special because, you know, again, I was, um, how old was I? 25 years old. And, um, yeah, I was 24 when I started Three Nails, but I turned 25 when he was when he was born. And um, yeah, I mean, life changing day forever. I mean, your everything, you know, your time with friends, your time with family. I mean, your focus, how you manage your time with anything in life, it all changes for your for your son or you know or daughter. Yeah, yeah, man. And and I I think about that period of your time too. You you give you don't give birth, your wife gives birth to, to Dax. And, uh, meanwhile, you're still working your nine to five and you're still trying to get three nails off the ground here. Like, how did you even begin to manage those days and, and just your time and your schedule with all that? Oh, man. I mean, looking at it and that, like being asked that, I, I don't know. You just do it for me. I've just always been an advocate of you just get things done people that want it bad are going to find a way no matter what people ask me all the time how do you find a clothing manufacturer you know how do you find this it's like you just do it and <laughs> there's really no like nothing else to it and for me um i lost a lot of sleep during that time especially because at the birth of our son my wife began getting extremely ill they left a little bit of the placenta in her which caused a uh, infection and it wasn't until probably a month and a half later, um, we found out that she was diagnosed with something called Addison's disease. And she had Stills disease before that, too. She, so she had some autoimmune issues, but she was very, like, well. During that time, she didn't really have much sickness. And But the craziest thing ever is when we went back and forth to the doctor, they would just send us home with postpartum depression. Just say your wife's just depressed. You know? Like wow. anxiety. And we knew something was wrong. I mean, she yeah. was throwing up like all day long. And, and it was just like, something is wrong. And we brought her down to the U of M and they had 26 doctors working on her. I mean, sure. Her lips were turning blue and, um, her auction levels are going down and stuff. And she was there for 26 days. Our newborn couldn't even be in the hospital during that time with her. And imagine that being a mom, not having your newborn for 26 days. I mean, it was so hard. And especially for me, I, I had to take off so much time of work and I had to get FMLA so I wouldn't get fired from my job because I was missing so much time. And that's that goes back to the whole like driving there an hour 
And then an hour way home, I just suffocated working for somebody else and, and having to message somebody when I had to bring my wife into the work. I mean, it looked like I was lying. I wasn't. Like yeah. I legitimately had to bring my wife in. There was one month I had to bring her in 21 days to the ER, to the hospital, out of 30 days of the month at her like very worst. I mean, 21 days? Jeez. I've never heard of anybody in my life that has ever done that. Right. I mean, I was just trying to keep it together, man. So trying to, and then not, you know, fall back on the business and continue to believe that this dream. And I was uh, posting every single day on Instagram. I was grinding, but that was like, during that time, it was an escape to me. That's what my, again, my, my purpose in life, it came. So that basketball that left me gaining this new identity and what God had my, you know, this new purpose for me, that was my identity now is I'm Derek, you know? Man of God, kingdom businessman, going to use this platform for God, right? Not just another meaningless clothing brand, a brand that is going to spread the the kingdom of God and in the gym, out of the gym, and, um, you know, really become a global brand for God's glory because there's no one like us out there. And businesses finding a problem, creating a solution. And that was the problem that I was trying to solve. And that was my escape during when my wife was in the hospital or even at home trying to take care of her. Um, balance now with my mom had to come live with us for three months to take care of my one-year-old son just so I could go to work and back. And then I would come home and reprieve her and she would go to sleep like in the evening just to like make sure she's getting enough rest. And I mean, it was just such a tough time in life. Mentally speaking, I've never had like panic attacks. And I remember going to sleep one night and I had a panic attack right before I went to sleep and I was like my my hands were shaking like it felt like pins and needles everywhere I, I like didn't feel like I was in real life it's called depersonalization yep. like your brain has so much stress where it tries to protect itself you know from hurting its you know brain damage so it like puts this layer of like fog over you so you're just like really like in brain fog and you feel like you're in a dream but you're in real life and it was like during that panic attack and even like began after that, like for like months, I would feel like I was in a dream and I would get like really bad anxiety at work. Mm-hmm. And I had to like you know, talk to my mom or like, you know, my wife about it. I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me. Like something wrong with me. Do I need to get checked out? And it was just the stress of life. I mean, can you blame me? Right. Like <laughs> no. all the stuff's been thrown at me and it, I was just trying to, to keep it together. And again, though, my faith was very strong and, you know, I was keeping intact with, um, you know, reading my Bible. At that time, though, I didn't set up, like, my routine now is so strong. And back then, I didn't have it um, as much a, um, as, you know, a concrete routine. But I was still, like, very close. And I was, like, all day um, at work when I wasn't on the phone with, you know, clients or whatever. I was listening to sermons. I had an earpod in my ear all day long. If I went to the bathroom, I had my AirPods in and I was listening to sermons, business, anything to just keep uplifting me because believe it or not, I've got a great support group, family and friends, but there was no like encouragement of like, hey man, you're going to get through this. Like, And I'm not a guy that needs the praise either because, again, it's just so weird because, like, growing up, I was always the guy that everyone looked to, and I was the guy that everyone leaned on. So when I'm the guy that everyone leans on, it's like, who do I lean on? Yeah. I didn't have anybody to lean on. Someone I leaned on was my wife. She was in the hospital, so I couldn't lean on her. My mom, someone I leaned on. She was living with me. She was trying to just keep it mentally from breaking down. So it's like, I didn't have anybody to really lean on during that time. And 
people didn't really know, even my friend group didn't really know what was going on. They saw my brand and my brand started to grow followers. So that means that they, they probably thought I was successful and I wasn't. I being, you know, ruined financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, I wasn't working out. I just, I mean, like everything in that time was honestly just, it was just a train wreck. But I fasted more than I ever had in my life. Went on like a three-day fast, just water, just seeking God. You know, my, my hunger to, to learn to seek God began to grow. You know, it says in Jeremiah 20, everyone says Jeremiah 29, 11, right? You know, the famous verse, yeah. but Jeremiah 29, 13, yeah. a couple of verses later, right? You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Amen. And that was prominent to me. It's like, I'm going to find God. I'm going to find what his purpose, you know, everything is for me. Not only that, but like, you know, how to just make it through this with peace, you know, my wife's health, everything that's going on. And everybody prayed for her. And it's like, why isn't she getting healed? Am I praying wrong? Am I doing something wrong? I'm trying to live a holy life. I'm not doing anything stupid. You know, um, things that we can get into talking men to men here, right? Like pornography is a yeah. huge issue, right? Yep. Something that I personally had a huge issue with growing up in, in high school. And um, a lot of my friends did too. And so meeting my wife, like I, I ditched that stuff forever. And and so like I'm like kind of putting this like task sheet, right? I'm like, I'm not looking at porn. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not lying or cheating or doing anything stupid in my life. Like why is this happening? And isn't it funny? It's like you can't give God your list of like what you're doing right. Like right. it doesn't, you know, just put in my mind at that time, you 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 try to make your case of like, God, why is this happening? Yep. And sometimes we just don't understand until one day I was in the shower and I was just in tears, man. And then it just like dawned upon me. I don't know if it was God, but it was in my head. And it was like all these prayers, that voice is saying, all these prayers are keeping your wife alive. Mm. Not wow. like not to heal her, but these prayers that everybody's praying for are keeping your wife alive. Yeah. And I just kind of like sat in the, like I literally sat down in my shower and I was like just pondering on that. I'm like, wow, what a perspective shift, right? Life is all about perspective. And so my perspective now is my wife's alive. She didn't die. Yeah. Instead of why isn't she healed and, and back to normal so we can, you know, so I can live a good life for my own self, <laughs> you know, like the audacity that I had back in the time, right? It's pride. You don't know why some people don't make it, you know, with their health and why others do. We don't know. But there's no wrong or right way of praying. Everyone's praying for her. And I do believe that, yeah, to this day, those prayers have kept her alive. Yeah, man. As you're talking there, I, I just keep hearing the word like wilderness. And I and I think back to after Jesus got mm -hmm. baptized uh, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness and and he fasted, you know, f for the 40 days, right? And I just kind of see some of the parallels there where you fasted for, for three days and how that was just a really wilderness kind of season of your life. As you look back at that, what do you think God was showing you? What do you think God was teaching you or instilling you during that season? Oh, man, I think, I think, um, the best way of saying this is a lot of things went right for me in my life growing up. Again, I was very fortunate. Childhood, you know, I was a leader in my community. I was the guy that a lot of people looked up to. 
had a lot of things good go for me and but I work hard for it, right? I discipline myself. I earn that. However, now I'm going into something that is a storm that I can't control. I could control a lot of things in the back, like back in the day. I can't control this. I can't control my wife's health. So the biggest thing that I've learned is not to rebuke the storm because sometimes the storms are there to teach you perseverance, teach you accountability, teach you discipline. And then most importantly, to teach you how to lean on God, you know, um, lean on, lean on God, um, and not on your own understanding, like the Bible verse talks about, yeah. you know, um, trusting him. If you go to bed at night and you have stress in your heart, why do you have stress? Is it financially? Is it your wife's health or whatever it is, right? If you have stress, are, are you trusting God then? Mm. Right? Like if you're truly trusting God that everything will work out, why why are we stressing out? And that's something that I asked ask myself because every night I was going to sleep stressed. But it's like, if I truly trusted God, why am I it's letting this stress just grip me with so much fear and anxiety? It's like, you know what? I got to control what I can control. I can control working hard on my business. I can control showing up for my job every single day to make sure I'm not getting fired showing up for my mom to reprieve her and be there for my son, be there for my wife when she's in the hospital to visit her on the, the hours that I can visit her. And then the other things that I can't control, I can't control. And I'm going to let God figure out those things that I can't figure out. Yeah. And it's not our burden to carry anyways. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's him. He wants us. I mean, cast your, your anxieties and cares on me for I care for you. Like it says in first Peter, like God wants you, like it's not your job to carry it. It's his job. So, like, why are we taking it on ourselves? I mean, that's that's so much of us, right? And it's just that daily reminder of, like, am I carrying something today that I shouldn't be carrying, that I should be giving to God? Yeah. And uh, so during that time, discipline, perseverance, being accountable, being more responsible. I mean, I had to grow up quick. I mean, there was no hanging out with the boys. There was no doing anything with that involved pleasure in life. It was literally survival mode for the next two to three, I would say, yeah, two to three years. There was no thriving or getting ahead and seeing progress. Like it was just survive to the next day with my wife's health, survive to the next day financially. Because when my wife got sick, she lost her job. She couldn't physically work. She was legally disabled. So all the bills came on my shoulders. And even with my job, I was making 50K a year salary. I was still a thousand dollars a month behind on my bills. I had a whole spreadsheet. I never knew knew how to budget, by the way. So this whole storm too learned me, like taught me how to budget, put everything together. I was a thousand dollars. I mean, how depressing is that? Knowing that like you can't pay your bills by a thousand dollars short every single month. And so I began to get a lot of credit card debt, just trying to pay bills and stuff. But I mean, it was inevitable, man. Like we were going to bankruptcy. There was no way out of it. But it's like, what's more important, bankruptcy or my wife's health? I don't really care. So during that time, um, I lost my job. Well, actually, from there, I was at Snap Fitness, and I I went to a a different place, and it was another gym, and it was closer by, made essentially the same amount of money. I was there for two and a half months, and I was taking my wife to the hospital a lot. Probably shouldn't have left my Snap position, honestly. But I thought it was better because it was closer to home. Yep. Um, lost my job though, and that was the big turning point of: Do I go get another job, 
or do I run three nails full time? And I prayed on it. And three days later, it's funny how everything happens in threes, right? Three nails, three days, three days fast. <laughs> a lot of significance <laughs> to that number. Right. Um, but I talked to my wife about it, talked to my parents. I said, I know it sounds crazy, but I really believe God is leading me to to go three nails full time. I just feel it in my bones. Like there's not even like a doubt of like I'm 50-50, like I need to go all in. And they, again, man, I've got the best parents in the whole world. My dad, unfortunately, is not here with us anymore. He passed away from COVID pneumonia uh, in 2020. Oh, man. Uh, unexpectedly. It's crazy how that all happened. But, man, I owe a lot to, to both my parents. They truly believed in me yeah. so much. And a lot, a lot of people can't say the same thing. Um, and I went all in. Wow. I went all in. And I still have the same same journal that I have today that I wrote down first day as an entrepreneur. Sorry. No, you're good, man. You're good. And um, even though I didn't feel like a real entrepreneur, I was like, I'm going to make it. And had my task list for that day. And I said, you know what, God, we're going to do it. We're going to make it. And that began the journey. Wow. Um, eight months went by where we, I chose not to pay our mortgage. Um, I, I knew we were going to foreclose on the property or in the hopes, I guess I, I didn't, I knew that if I continued, didn't pay it, we would foreclose, but it was in the hopes that something would work out where we'd be able to pay this off. And so eight months goes by. I get a knock on my door with the sheriff and I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on in the neighborhood? Or like, there's nothing I did wrong. Gives me papers, says, Hey, you have 30 days to, you know, leave the premises. Your, your house is going up on foreclosure of the auction sale and shut the door. I looked at the paperwork and I was just like, Oh my God, this is really happening. I'm going to lose my house. And I'm going to have to move in with my parents, with my son. Where am I going to put all my stuff? I, I felt just hopeless. Like, I really felt hopeless. Even though, I mean, this is the trials that you go through, right? Even though we're Christian, like, we believe in God. And we have, Like, we go through this, this this human nature stuff of just feeling hopeless. And I talked to my mom that night, and she was like, yeah, Derek, no, it's all right. You, you guys can move in. And, you know, um we had to get, we had to get, you know, we were at that time, I think too, we were on food stamps and I was literally living on, before we got approved for food stamps, I was living on my parents' freezer for food. So I didn't have to pay for food because we were broke, man, broke. But thank God for his goodness and his grace, man. I mean, at this time, Black Friday was just rolling around and it was October and I was like, hey, we've We've got Black Friday. It was it was uh, 2019. Think about it, 2022 right now. It's just a few years ago. Yeah, it's not, it's not not far ago. Right, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it wasn't. And lots changed since then. Lots changed. I found this uh, Facebook ads and Instagram ads academy course. It's not available anymore because I get everyone asked about it. <laughs> um, but uh, it was like five thousand dollars for this course, and I mean, again, dude, I'm broke. I'm broke as a joke. I don't have money. I have a credit card, and so I made a deal with them. They gave me a deal of like paying four grand on instead of five, and I did two grand now on a credit card, and then two grand after our Black Friday that I said I have more money. 
and I learned how to do Facebook ads. And I said, this is my only hope. And then we did a photo shoot um, down in Minneapolis with our models to do the video campaign. And I shot it all myself. So a lot of the early days, like the photos and videos, I did have some help from photographers, but all the videos, most of them anyway, were all from myself. I taught myself how to do it. And we launched our Black Friday sale in 2019 and it blew up. That was the turning point in three nails history. Why we're at where we're at now today. Uh, we made $28,000 that month in November at that time it was the most money I've ever seen. I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. dude, I made 28,000. <laughs> and, um, I, for the very first time in over two years, I didn't pay myself a dime running three nails. No check was ever making. I never made a withdrawal on my name. I wrote, I wrote a check for myself for $1,200 just to pay my mortgage. And that was it. It was nothing else out of that 28 K. And I mean, this goes to like the discipline I had though. Um, I took all that money. I didn't put it into my own self. I invested it right back in inventory that I knew was going to make me more money so that I could continue paying myself moving forward. And I got on the phone with the mortgage company and ended up making a deal with them that, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're able to pay this. We got a loan modification, uh, loan. We finally had to go through, it was a whole process, but we ended up getting approved and man, we still got the town home to this day. Yeah. And, um, Man, God's Praise provision. God. Yeah, God's provision. Yeah. Just when you needed it. Oh, yeah. It, it's just, I mean, if there could be that shining, you know, light coming down from a cloud that everyone wants to think about, I mean, it never comes, right? But in that moment, it felt like it. I was like, I remember because I went to a Barnes & Noble the next day and I wrote myself that check and I was like, wow, like, this is real. Like, I can be a real entrepreneur, you know, because like I just mentioned earlier, like, I felt like a fake entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't have money to pay for myself. How can I call myself an entrepreneur? <laughs> and now, like, even though it was just it was just a taste, right? And it's not consistent over a year. But, like, I, I saw it. I got the proof of concept. I'm like, this can work. Yeah. Put into more inventory. And then COVID hit. And then our shipments got delayed. And then we had another storm to go through. And there's always stuff going on. But, my gosh, man, my business was never the same. My Facebook ads and Instagram ads were, were growing. I learned how to do email marketing you know, text marketing at a later point and just learning how to really become a e-commerce, you know, business owner and how to operate it and hiring on employees. Um, I guess I'm, I'm hopping too far ahead here, I guess. <laughs> so right from that point, we started doing well. We had the restock come in March, April sales, June. And then in August was when we finally moved into the warehouse here. And so now we're in a 5,000 square foot warehouse, I was ended up able to hire one of my um, close friends in high school, Justin Little, as my operations manager, who's still here with me today. Um, love that guy. You know, he took a risk on me, and he actually um, worked remote. He was in North Carolina. Dude, he worked two, 10 bucks an hour for me at the time, like super limited hours a week. He was just all in. He just wanted to be a part of the vision of it. Yeah. And so now to see him here, you know, um, as an operations manager and it's just, it's just so cool the story. But what we were talking about before the podcast started was a year prior to when we moved in, I visited this exact warehouse and I remember seeing the tour cause you have to see it before you see it in person, right? You have to really plant those seeds in your mind before you can really physically see the manifestation of it. Um, and when I came here, um, I just had that feeling like this is going to be mine one day, even though I, there's no way I could afford it. Not, not a chance I could afford it. <laughs> and uh, walking around, I took a video so I could watch it 
you know, at home later, later and stuff. And I remember having that timestamp and I made a YouTube video of it and showing that it was um, like August 12th or August 14th, something like that. And um, I just remember, you know, looking at the video, always saying, this is what I'm going to do. And even so then, um, I guess I failed to say this earlier, on my way back home from my nine to five job, I kid you not, man, almost every single day, you know, because my route comes through here, I would stop in and I would park in this exact parking spot that I park in now today. And I would just pretend that I am the CEO (laughs) of this place and that this is going to be my warehouse one day that I'm going to drive to every day. And I'm imagining myself getting my coffee and coming every day in the morning. And you just feel such like a fraud and a fake. <laughs> but you have to do these mind yeah. tricks, man. They work. Yep. I mean, it's, it's not even a trick. It's 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 really, you know. Stepping putting, out in faith. Yeah, stepping on faith. And, you know, new age people and, and weird spirituality stuff. You know, we don't go into that. Like the whole like, yeah, different stuff. I'm not talking new age. I'm talking spiritual, you know. Biblical stuff that we're talking about, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. Thinking on the good things, you know, praiseworthy things, as the Bible talks about. Believing in a better life, you know, not only for myself and my family, but to other people and our customers. And and so, yeah, we moved in, uh, actually signed the lease on July 30th. So August 1st, we actually made, you know, started moving physical stuff in here. But July 30th is when I signed the lease and... um so yeah, if you look at it, it took less than 12 months, about 12 months, but yeah, less than 12 months for my whole life to change forever, to move into the warehouse now, start hiring, you know, my, my first employee was just me and Justin for, for the longest time. And then, you know, hiring uh, Brennan on to do, um, he was just part-time stuff with uh, packaging up orders in the back in the warehouse. And and now, yeah, now we got Caitlin, who's a marketing manager. And, you know, it's it's just, you know, we have consultants. We've got many vendors we work with. It's just like the business has grown so much. And um, I built this literally by myself. Again, I will preface the fact that, like, I would not be here to this day without my uh, cousin's help, Evan. He was an investor with Three Nails for the first year and a half, two years. I would say two years. And then... He ended up starting his own company, and we just kind of came to the mutual. Nothing bad. Just like, hey, man, I, I want to – again, we didn't have much money. He was like, hey, I'm going to take my money and put it in my own brand. So I told him, hey, I'll pay you um, your original investment, uh, which over that time of like the last couple of years, he like invested in maybe $11,000, I think it was. And I said, on top of that, I'm going to give you this extra bonus. And it was a very generous bonus and way more money than I would think about in my bank account. And – Luckily for him too, man, like he believed in me and he said, all right, sounds great. Yeah. And, um, after, after black Friday of 2020, so we were here in the warehouse here, I ended up being able to pay him back in full and paid him out as an investor. And so now I'm, you know, hundred percent owner now, but yeah. So just like the journey of it, right? Like, you know, some people like to simplify things like it's, it's, it's a simple thing, but it's not like. It's not a one size fits all for everybody. You have to yeah. figure out what works for you. And for me, yeah, like having my cousin Evan here, having the people that are in my life for a reason, like everybody in my small circle helped me get to where I'm at now. And I'm forever grateful because it wasn't Derek Dahl's smarts. I'm not like, I do not categorize myself as someone as a high IQ. You know, I just can figure things out and I just have a relentless hunger to win and um what i mean when i mean just to make 
you know, a good life for myself, my family, impact others, people for God's kingdom, and um, create freedom, true lasting freedom. And I'm not going to stop until I get there. And um, I just see too many people now, especially that just like to sit on the sidelines, binge watch Netflix. We're just in a dopamine world, right? Yep. Just, you know, scrolling. And it's like, we're living in a gold rush opportunity. Your parents, my parents, our grandparents never had this opportunity that we're in right now. You know, podcasting, like this was never a thing, right? Right. We have so much opportunity at our fingertips. You just, you just have to go out there and take it. Yeah. And like you said in one of your uh, vlog videos, a lot of this stuff is free. Like social media, this is all free. So why not utilize it? Yeah. I mean, you know, Facebook and Instagram, like they could charge us something just to have an account for a business. They don't. It's free. Mm -hmm. That's why when some people complain about the algorithm or complain about some other stuff, it's like, man, it's perspective. You guys are just <laughs> whining out here. Yeah. You know, figure it out. There's so many different ways. So yeah, again, um, just any advice to any young entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs out there, it's, it's at your fingertips. Your phone is a tool. You can use it for, you know, a tool to distract yourself, numb yourself from your feelings and emotions, which we all have scrolling, comparing yourself to other people, or you can use it to impact not only your life, create freedom for yourself, your family, impact customers, clients. I mean, again, money is just the result of the impact that you make on customers and clients. You can't just make money out of thin air. I mean, unless you're like stock trading and whatnot, but like, you know, for us, people that are like in businesses, e-commerce, I wouldn't want it any other way. I love taking care of our customer. That's something we pride ourselves on is see other like successful brands out there that don't do any like returns or exchanges. And like, we have like a 60 day policy probably should be saying this, but if anybody emails us like 70 days later, 80 days, like, we'll always take care of people, man. Yeah. We're not the people like, you know, we just, we always want to go above and beyond. And I've set that expectation with, you know, the employees that I've hired now is this is what our culture is. This is who we represent. We are not going to be the same people saying, hey, per our policy, it looks like you missed out on a day. But if you had emailed us yesterday, we would be able to return. It's like, no, take care of your people and they're going to reward you, you know, throughout, you know, the next few years or however long they stay. Right. You know, your customer lifetime value is so important. And that's the name of e-commerce is not just creating new customers. You want one guy or one person to buy from you once and buy from you again over and over and over. That's why Facebook and Instagram ads are so powerful because you're not just paying just to buy them now. You spend 30 bucks to acquire that one customer now, but then over time, I mean, that, that cost of $30 goes down to zero because they're buying from you multiple times. Yeah. And people fail to realize that. It's just simple things that I've learned over time that just I don't understand how other people don't get that. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, this is why we're so successful to, to this day. It's because these principles really are the foundations of my business. And we don't have an investors, right? I don't have to work for anybody. You know, I don't answer to anybody. And that's just so cool because we can, there's no rules to this now. We get to make the rules and we can take care of our customers in one way and how we, you know, work together. And even just the last few weeks, I mean, just gas prices are crazy. And so, you know, having Caitlin a little, especially they, you know, come here every single day. Now they're working from home a couple of times a week and, you know, just save, save some money on gas and stuff. And, you know, it's just the way of the world, how it's going. It's just like being able to do that. Yeah. It's so cool. Right. And it's just freedom at the end of the day is, is, is the thing. 
Well, and, and I think too, like what I really notice is, is again, just how Jesus is ingrained in everything about this company, right? From how you treat your employees to how you treat the customers. Like, I think that's what really stands out and what separates you guys. I mean, obviously, like you said, you're the only really athletic Christian apparel company out there with such high premium materials, items, and just to see how you go above and beyond to give everything just that that kingdom quality, like to me, I mean, that's like, I want to support that, right? You know, even, and, and yeah, I, I like to run and, and I'm a athletic guy, but even if I wasn't, like, those are the businesses that I want to, I want to support because I know that, yeah, at the end of the day, what it's about is, is just building the kingdom and making Jesus known. Amen. Amen, brother. No, you, you hit it right on the head. Um that, that that's one thing that I always promised myself. It's like money. If money ever distracted me from the main purpose of keeping, you know, the main thing, the main thing, which is Jesus, then I need to, you know, do some serious self reflection or need to leave. <laughs> Cause you know what? They always say money changes you, but I, I agree or I don't agree. I, I think that money just makes you, it amplifies who you already are. And if you're a generous person, you're going to be more generous. And if you're, you know, a Scrooge and want to clench onto it, you're going to be that person. I've always been the person growing up. My first job was Chipotle. <laughs> this always goes back to Chipotle. I just love Chipotle. <laughs> Who um, doesn't? Who yeah. doesn't? <laughs> but I remember getting like my first paychecks and stuff. And my friends didn't have a job. And like I would go out and we'd go to like gas stations. And I'd be like, hey, man, get whatever you want. I would like buy them, you know, energy drinks and like being able to provide for my friends, right? When other people, like I didn't have much money to begin with. I could just be like, oh, I want to keep this for myself. It brought me so much joy, man, to bless others and be generous with it. And that's What's what God about? wants us to do. Yeah. And um, this is one other really good thing to talk about. So during the whole time when I was working a job, going through this whole financial struggle where I, you know, lost my job and all that stuff, when I made income, right, I tithed every single paycheck. Every single paycheck I did. Um, when I lost my job and I didn't have income, I didn't have anything to tie off of. But I said, God, and I couldn't even pay my bills at that time either. Like, I'm going to choose. I sat down with my wife at the dinner table and I said, hey, we were not going to be able to pay the bills, but what we're not going to do is, is um, you know, steal from God. Like this is, you know, in Malachi, and it talks about it, like bringing tithes to the storehouse, you know, and, and test me in this that I'll not, you know, overflow. Um, I forget the verse, but you know what I'm talking yep. about. Yep. Yeah, uh, your storehouse, I believe. And so it's like, hey, again, this isn't some prosperity trick thing. It's like, no, we're going to be obedient to God. And we're going to trust him that he's going to take care of us. And that's really what it is. The tithe isn't about money. It's not an investment to you make more money. It's a heart thing. Yep. Can you discipline yourself enough to tithe 10% of every dollar that you make? Give that to God because he doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Yeah. People mess that up. Yeah. He doesn't want your money. He's God. <laughs> it's like, why? And it's so cool now. Every time that I tie my paycheck, I always pray over it. I'm, every time, it's the same thing of like, it's like a pinch me like, man, I get to tithe more and more and more as the years go on. And it's still the same cheerful joy joy in my heart that I have. Because before I remember what it was like when I couldn't tithe, when I didn't have income, right? Or the times where I did tithe and I knew I was tithing this money that could help us pay some pay for some food or whatever. And I chose to do that to, to trust God. And how he was able to work things out. I mean, I did my part. I worked hard. 
again, it all goes back to I control what I can control. Things that I can't control, I let God take care of. And my goodness, he took care of me. Yeah. It's amazing. It's It really is because before you bought this warehouse or before you leased this warehouse, where were you operating Three Nails out of? <laughs> yeah, it's out of my garage. So when I, ver- when I first started the brand, it was in my tiny little basement bedroom. Um, man, it's just a tiny room, not even a closet in it. And I had two racks, two plastic racks holding all of the inventory. We started out with one T-shirt and one pair of jogger. We had a couple different colors of the T-shirts, but just one jogger. So we had 400 T-shirts and then 100 joggers. And I had those fitting on the two racks. And I would, yeah, I mean, it's good that you brought this up. So I was, I mean, I was a one-man band, right? I packaged up all the orders every single night when I would come home from work. Well, during that time, I didn't have orders every single day. But once I finally started getting some more traction, it was almost every day. And I wrote a handwritten thank you note to every single order. And again, it's always going above and beyond. What can I do? Why would they shop for me when they can go to Nike, Adidas, and all these other big places or another Instagram brand out there? I wanted to make it special and you know truly make it personable to that person. Appreciate them, right? Like you're supporting my small business. Are you supporting my family? In my dream, like it's so cool, and still to this day, I can't do it now. Otherwise, I would be doing nothing else. Uh, but uh, we have we have uh, cards now, right? Like you know, it's all it's all written. I have the message on there that we put it in every you know, thank you letter in every single order. But orders that are bigger, um, that have many different items in it, I'll always write a thank you card for those people. Still to this day, because it's still just that. That brings me back to the roots, man. Yep. And so, yeah, I, would, I operated out of that little bedroom. And then once we started growing and getting more inventory, I grew it to my garage. So I wasn't able to park in my garage anymore. We don't have a big garage. It's just a small, barely could fit two cars in there. Um, and then I started getting plastic racks out there. And um, um, even during that time, too, we never did, like, shows. But Gabby's sister... Um, she has a clothing brand as well. It's called Silo Apparel and um, has a women's boutique that she's very successful in. And she was doing this event at a winery. And I was thinking, you know, Christian Brennan, a winery? Maybe. <laughs> and so they invited us. And my goodness, man, they loved us. We made we made like a thousand bucks our first day there. And this was at the time where I was making like, you know, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it just brings me back to that time of like during the things in my garage, I'd have some things packed up ready to go to event. And we did a few events. I would say like total throughout the whole history of Three Nows, I probably did maybe six events or maybe seven. Um, but it was just at that winery. And then I did another one at some festival. It just didn't really end up working out well. Um, but yeah, that winery was just prime. And it was like in a rural area. Not many people knew about it um, in Chisago, Minnesota. Yep. And um, yeah, being able to... St- to give my story there too, talk about the brand in person. That was the first time because everything's been online, right? And through like advertising. And so it was really cool being able to have those people. And, you know, now when they shop from us, they say, hey, I remember you when you were out here. And um, yeah, man, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, you're, this the story is crazy, but like in a, in a God crazy way, right? I yeah. mean, you literally had a sheriff on your doorstep knocking at your door saying, hey, 
we're going to take this house from you. You can't afford it. You got 30 days to get out to now. Here you are, you know, in this warehouse and business wise, I mean, business wise, this is a, a what, a million dollar company, a multi-million dollar company now. Yep. Uh, yeah. Two, $2.5 million company now. Yeah. I mean, just, just crazy. Like as, as you look at that, as, as you look where God has brought you from, how do you, I guess one of the big questions I have for you is how do you remain humble? How do you remain close to the Lord just with, again, just this, the success, but his provision, how do you stay rooted in that and, and, you know, not let the temptations of, you know, material things or worldly things get to you or get to your family? Yeah, I think it's, um, first and foremost, it's like, I would never be here without God. So I don't want to be disobedient to him and what his calling is for my life. And it's like, you know, I, I enjoy nice things. I do, you know, like I, I love cars. I've had like the Lamborghini posters up in my room as a child. I don't have a Lamborghini, not yet anyway. Uh, but it's like things like that. When people look at like materialistic things, they think like immediately that all that personal all I care about is just material things. Yeah. And it's like, it just took me to this, uh, just this past fall to finally get our new uh, Escalade for our family. And, but it's like before that, man, like I ran my car into the ground. So it's like I've never been like I've always been focused on the business and what's going to, you know, provide for my family more so than just like mature. Like, like yeah, I own a $2.5 million company. I still live in my same townhouse right now. Like there's no rush to just go and get bigger things. Like I, I enjoy it because we're, we're I'm a minute away. My life is really good lifestyle wise right now. Uh, my mortgage is, you know, 1200 bucks. Like, like I'm fine. I don't need to go get a huge house right now or anything for that matter. Right. Like, so I think it's really perspective. And as like any, everybody's going to judge you as long as you know, these things don't define you in life and you don't put your identity in it. Cause at the moment you put your identity in, you know, a car or a house or owning a million dollar business and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, if you lose any of those things, you're gonna be you're gonna be wrecked. You're gonna be crushed, and you have to have that spiritual backing. And I think it goes to routines, which is something we could even touch on too, because I love talking about it. Yeah, let's is, hear it. Is is morning routine, night routine, something that um, really, I mean, like really helped me get to where I'm at today. Um, when I was you know in my garage days before I was in the warehouse, when I when I was the the fake entrepreneur, so to speak, right? I was like, hey. I, I, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what a morning routine was. I looked up YouTube videos on it. And I saw what other success, like success leaves clues. Look at what other CEOs are doing and then just replicate it and make it into your own. These other people were doing meditation and doing all these different things. Didn't really spend time with God. I was like, okay, I'm going to do the exact same thing, but I'm going to do it in a godly way. I'm going to meditate and visualize, you know, my future and, you know, moving into the warehouse and doing all these things that I want to do. But I'm going to visualize um doing this in a godly way and, you know, giving back to my community and, you know, what it'll, what it'll feel like. And then spending time with God one-on-one every single morning. So like every single morning I wake up and again, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I miss it, but like it's clockwork now. Wake up, read my Bible for the very first thing before I do anything. And I'm, I, you know, usually wake up early at, you know, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., kind of like around that. And then um, I've been trying some different routines out now just to see what works best for me. But usually when I'm on my game, 5 a.m., so there's no one up, right? It's just me, just me and God. And there's some, there's just something about being alone in that dark world, right? Everything's, there's no light out. And you know everyone's sleeping and you're spending time with God. It's so quiet, so peaceful. There's no cars out and stuff. 
and spending time with him, praying, meditating, asking him what, you know, his will is for your life, but also more importantly, not just making prayer about yourself, which is something that I've had to learn of just asking for, you know, God giving your prayer list to him. It's like really praising him. Like he is the alpha and omega. He is the first and last. He is the creator. Amen. You know? Preach it. Yeah. I mean, how dare we just get in prayer, just start talking about the things that we need in life when we have to magnify his goodness and how just magnificent he is and how, like, I mean, we're talking about the creator. And Miles Monroe says in one of his books, like, if you if you were to shake hands with God in the very beginning, you'd be shaking hands with all potential in life. Yeah. Everything came from him. He He is outside the confines of this world, like, and that you can't even wrap your head around that because everyone says, well, where did God come from? It's like he didn't come from, like he is and was and will always be. Like there's nowhere to come from in that. He's not in a box. Like it's crazy to just, I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about God, yeah. Jesus, the Holy Trinity, Holy Spirit that's in this earth, you know, in this room with us right now, you know, leading this podcast. It So going back to it, routines, you really are training yourself mentally and um, you're not just reading a book and not just meditating. I mean, you're training yourself to take on things during that day, during the week, during the month. You are becoming mentally stronger every single day and you're disciplining yourself and you're building confidence in your own self because you're saying, hey, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to do this, 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 this. I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to come home, eat eat breakfast with my son, shower, and go to the office. And when you follow through with your promises, you begin getting gaining confidence in your own self. You believe in yourself. It's the times where you say, okay, I want to do this, and you don't do it. And then, you know, you don't have confidence in yourself because you're not, you know, following through on the promise that you, you know, believe for yourself. So that's why working out, not only is it so good, you know, scientifically, right, for like our body, endorphins, and all the stuff that people talk about, but you're following through with your promises. You're gaining confidence in yourself from doing those routines and on top of it, looking better and feeling better about your own self. So I'm a huge, huge advocate of sports in life, business in life. I mean, this thing is really like 90% mental. It's not like the physical game and like right. doing the workouts and stuff. It, I mean, so yeah, if you don't have a routine right now, I highly, highly recommend looking it up, you know, look me on YouTube if you want. I've got a 4.30 a.m. morning routine video that I go step-by-step of what I do. Um, spending time with God first and foremost, first half hour of the day. Uh, you you have to give God, you know, the first. And one thing here on this question too is when we moved into the warehouse, I told Little, I said, hey, we are, I, I have a spiritual mentor. His name is Apostle Felix. He lives in sh- uh, Chicago, Illinois. And um, I made a promise to him that I would do a Bible study every single Monday morning before we did with like the employees, right? Like when I have employees. Oh, that's awesome. And so once little came here, I said, Hey, this is something that I promised apostle. Cause he was like, Derek, we need to continue giving honor to God before you do anything, before you open a laptop or whatever, give honor to God. And I have not broken that promise every single Monday. There's been mornings where I, I, I can't be here, right? There's been multiple consecutive mornings that I haven't been able to make here because of my wife's health or whatever's going on. But Little's here in my place. And most importantly, you know, when I am here, I'm able to lead the Bible study. We pick a, a devotional uh, off of the Bible app, you know, you version. Yep. And um, we, we read it. We talk about it. 
And then um, we ended in prayer. We, we pray and to start our week. And that's how we start our weeks here at Three Nails every single week. And I will forever do that to the end of time. And I hope everybody keeps me accountable on that because I am not going to break that promise. Man, so, so cool. So cool. Just, I, again, just being able to talk with you, Derek, and really get to see your heart for God. I mean, it's just so, I, I'm getting like fired up just listening to you. And, and this is, you know, inspiring and motivating to me. Um, you know, I was telling you that, yeah, throughout this week, I've been watching a lot of your YouTube videos, and I watched the very first one that you posted. I think it was probably back in 2019. And in it, you said, Hey, you know, I just want to document this journey, you know, and at that time, yeah, you were, uh, I think you were still working, you know, the nine to five, still running it out of the garage. I think even to the basement to some extent too, you showed some footage in there. And, and again, here we are, March of 2022. Here you are, and here God has done just amazing things with three nails. What's that like for you to reflect back on everything that God has done in your life? <laughs> Man, just even hearing you speak, you know, say that out loud is crazy to think because, you know, when I wake up now, you know, it's like the goal, right? Like you got different things, you know, we're on a mission, right? This is all about God's purpose and what he's doing in our life. But yeah, it's so, it's so cool to just have the pinch me moments and look back on and say, wow, like God did it. Not I did it, you know, I, I put my work into it, but God did it and he aligned. Like if I would have never seen this Facebook ad that came through for this academy, I never would have like, you know what I mean? Like the timing of everything. Like if I would have just like left work 20 minutes later and got home later and didn't see that ad that night, like, you know what I mean? Like just how everything happened and like the sale and just the faith and taking risk on credit cards, just like everything that happened during that time and just how God really mentally just kept me together and um it's man i'm humbled i'm honored more than anything that god would choose me i do believe he could have chose anybody out there and um you know maybe he did maybe he did choose somebody else that didn't that wasn't brave enough to take the leap like i did and so i guess kind of apply this in your own life of what's god telling you today and are you too afraid to take the leap of that or are you going to jump, you know, aggressively swim up that river. I know it looks scary and it's unknown and there's no security in it that you may think, but if God's got a plan for you, which he does and the vision is from God, you're already success. And all the things this now, the warehouse, the employees, the, you know, two and a half million dollars and all this stuff and growing. I mean, this already was when I made that decision back then to set those routines to keep God first, to hammer at this brand every single day, to not give up. I didn't see a dime the first two years. You know how many people would have just given up, not seen any money in return? So that's why, like, but for me, again, I wasn't, like, I wasn't doing this just to make money. Like other people are like, oh, I want to start this business and I better make a return within the first year or two years. Like, no, we're in this for the long game. Purpose, fulfillment, passion, freedom. My wife never has to work a job the rest of her life whether she's sick or healthy, that's so freeing to me as a man, you know, on, on like just talking like in a human level. And then you talk about like spiritual wise, the impact we're making to customers, the emails that we get of like, my gosh, you guys are my favorite clothing brand. I've wiped out my whole wardrobe and they're spending thousands of dollars with us to, you know, literally only wear three nails. I mean, that's a blessing. And, um, always taking care of those people. Um, 
I'm humbled, man. I'm honored. I just, I, I wake up every single day and I, I do remind myself of not to take it for granted. Cause yeah. I remember when I had to wake up on a, on a time schedule and have to be on someone else's clock and have to call them if I had to bring my wife to the hospital or if you're sick or whatever, I'm living the dream. I got freedom and I can make impact and make money and use that money for God's good. And now we've, you know, just recently partnered with uh, Agape International um, Missions and uh, we are able to give a portion of our proceeds every single month to fund um, their missionary trips over in Cambodia. And um, it's uh, child sex trafficking. Oh, and I mean, my heart just tears. I mean, especially now, like my son here, like the evil and corruption in this world, as you know, I mean, there's so much out there, man. And I wasn't, you know, given the purpose to be a missionary, but I, my, my purpose is to be a businessman and I can use my funds and my resources to fund those people. So really we are all intertwined and God has a purpose for every single one of us. And we're supposed to help each other out through this life. And so the more money we make, the more we're going to give and continue to give and be generous. And so, yeah, they were able to help fund these SWAT teams that are partnered with the government in Cambodia. And they don't just grab one girl or save one girl like they used to in the past. They're able to knock down the door of a brothel and save like 22 plus girls at a time. Praise and then God. And then arrest the people yes. that own that brothel. And it's just like, dude, I got goosebumps right yeah. now thinking about it. It's so cool, man, to be able to just play a small role into that. Yeah, what an honor. And it's just like, none of this would have happened, right? None of this would have happened if I didn't take action and, and, and take that first step. Even though it was scary, I didn't know what I was what I was doing. Nobody to show me how to do it besides Googling YouTube. Yep. And so I just, you know, just tell everybody out there, man, God's got a plan for you, purpose for you. It's already inside of you. You're destined for greatness. And that is not cliche or cheesy, man. Like you don't have to, you know, wrap that into money-wise, like, you know, being an artist, you know, being a teacher, you God has given you the talents and skills where you need to be, and it's the most natural to you. And you're all like, you're going to be the best at that thing. You're never going to have a purpose in your life where you're just gonna be like, gosh, I really hate doing this, but I know it's my purpose. It just doesn't happen. It's what God has naturally given you the ability to do. Yeah. Man, so good. So good. Yeah. And you talk about that too a lot in, in your YouTube videos of finding your niche and then finding your purpose. And man, definitely sounds like you found your purpose. This is this has been amazing. How can people find uh, Three Nails or, or follow you? Yeah. So our website, uh, the only way to get Three Nails is through our direct website. It's threenailsclothing.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Derek underscore doll. Uh, I'm on YouTube. If you just you know, search my name, Derek Dahl. You can find my YouTube channel. Um, you know, it's something that I'm really excited about this year is really going all in on that. Um, you know, I got Brendan here helping me out with the video editing and, you know, we're trying to pump out at least two videos a week of main content. And then I'm, you know, like I told you previously of doing, you know, sh YouTube shorts and TikToks and uh, just trying to, again, give as much value as I can. I'm still trying to figure this game out, right? I'm 29 years old. I'm still young in the perspective of where I'm at business-wise. Um, but it's so exciting to figure this out and just share the knowledge because really I do believe the things that have changed your life, you can't keep it to yourself. You have to share that with other people. And this business, this vision from God has forever changed my life for the, for the better. Not only changed my life, changed my employee's life, you know, changed, you know, my family's life, my friend's life, like people that I can give back to and be generous. 
And yeah, again, I just can't say it enough, man. I, I owe everything to God. Yeah, it's amazing. All, all glory to God. Well, Derek, man, it's been such a privilege and an honor getting to connect with you and hear your story. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, man. It, hey, and uh, for everyone listening, this is my very first podcast. I was just telling Terry, um, I've gotten a lot of podcast requests the last couple of years of Three Nails, and I've always declined every single one of them, every speaking engagement, because I just wanted to be head down. And, um, you know, Terry reached out and I even told him no a few weeks back or a month ago. And um, until recently, I met with a mentor of mine and said, hey, man, you got to get your story out there. You got to start getting on podcasts. And I messaged Terry. And uh, so, yeah, this is such an honor to be, you know, it's my first podcast on, you know, you having me on your podcast for my very first one. I'm very honored. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. Well, hey, praise God for everything. And uh, man, keep doing what you're doing. This is great stuff. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All glory to God. I left Three Nails headquarters feeling so inspired. I'm glad Derek is now doing podcasts and interviews because he has an amazing ability to be real, raw, encouraging, and motivating. Derek is a great example of what it looks like to chase after the purpose God has for your life with the mentality that if God is for you, who can be against you? There is no failure when you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are walking in what God has for you. And that's so evident in Derek's life and in Three Nails. So I hope that Derek's story and the success of Three Nails inspires anyone listening to be obedient to the call God has put on your life and to step out in faith, trusting that God will prove himself true to his character and his word. If you have any questions for Derek, use the hashtag AskTWT and we'll get Derek to answer a few. And guys, seriously, go to 3nailsclothing.com and check out their apparel. This stuff is legit. Comfortable, stylish, premium quality, and most importantly, representing the message of the cross. I'll put a link to the site in the show notes, as well as links to Derek's YouTube channel and Instagram page. That's it for this week's show, and if you guys are being blessed by these testimonies, please leave those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Share these on social media and tell your friends and family about Testimonies with Terry. I'll be back with another testimony next week. So in the meantime, make sure to live your life in such a way that glorifies God and kicks Satan's butt. Peace.